0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Restoration Nazarene Church, where we encourage you to be the gospel today so that you can share the gospel tomorrow. Happy Sunday, y'all. Um, I just wanted, to take, a, I wanted you to take a second and think back at a time in your life that you experienced something that changed your life drastically, or even something that's just memorable that has changed your life or made an impact in your life. Um, When I was young, I was, I found out that I was pregnant. I was 16, and I had, my parents were going through a divorce, I had a lot of things going on in my life at the time, and I didn't... I thought I knew everything, but then I find myself expecting a child and going to become a mother, and that changed everything for my life. I thought I had known everything, I thought I had it, and I didn't. Um, But then I realized that what had changed was I now had this responsibility to set that example for my child. I had to change the ways that I was living life and doing things, um not just because I'm now responsible for another human, but because I had a responsibility to show this child how to grow up, how to live, and to share with the thing with him the things that I learned. And over time, that was the beginning of when my life had really started to change. I had, I had spent a lot of time um, just kind of doing my own thing, and then I realized that there was something more that I needed, and it was like my heart changed. And for a lot of us that become parents, we know that that is a, a change in our heart. And so I think that we can all relate and we can all, we all have moments like that. We all experience those kind of things that change us and that shape our lives. Um, Maybe you became a parent or maybe you have a diagnosis that has um, changed your life drastically where you have to change the way you eat completely or you have to change the way you live, um, something like that. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes we have good things that we want to share with everyone, right? I, I had a child and I wanted to share with him life. I wanted to share with him the good things in life. I also wanted to share that I was having this child with other people. I think we all go through those kind of things, right? Where we have something or we go to a restaurant and we want to share that this is really great, great restaurant. Um, I think that the gospel of Jesus is like that, sharing the good news. We're called to to share the good news like that. We all have those same experiences and at the same time, the good news of Jesus Christ is, w- is what brings about restoration and transformation. It's the longing in our hearts that transforms us and it's only through Christ that that's that we're able to be transformed that way. But yet we don't see more Christians desiring to share the exciting transformation. So we can have a baby or we can go to a restaurant and we want to share those things. But when we experience that transformation in our lives as believers, it's hard for us to go out there and share those things. We don't see everybody. They come in here on a Sunday and they experience worship and they experience this this joy. But You very rarely see them run out and want to share it with people. And so why is that? Why do we not have that deep burning desire to share the love and the hope with our friends, with others? There's a story in the Old Testament that this kind of thing happens. And today we're going to learn about uh, King Josiah. He was known as the, the last good king or, yeah, the last good king. But I want to I want to kind of give you a little bit of context of what has happened up until this point, so. Uh King Josiah, before he became king, it it was during this time um, after Solomon when uh, God's people was divided into two, the kingdoms were divided into two. So there was a northern kingdom of Jerusalem, there was a southern kingdom of Judah, Judah. and um, the northern kingdom had about, it was about 200 years, and they had about 19 kings, and they all were evil. And so... The northern kingdom had already collapsed at this point and had been taken captive by the Assyrians. And the southern kingdom, however, had not, at least not yet. But they had sinned. And it was these people were not following God anymore like they once were. And so a little bit about Josiah's background. So Josiah is this king. He becomes this king of the southern kingdom. And he comes from this line. And let's just call it his family background. And I think we can all relate. Is It, it is often seems like it's broken or dysfunctional, um, even abusive in his, way, in his family. So he had a great-grandfather, King Hezekiah, who was known as a, um, a good king as well. And uh, he had time of peace in the land. But after him, his son Manasseh became king and he ruled for 55 years. And during that time, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He, he did things. He would sacrifice his, his children to false gods. He built shrines and, um, and, <clears throat> and things to to the gods of, of the stars and, and different things like that. And he really was not following um, that. He was not setting that example for the people. And so in 2 Kings twenty one eleven, we see that it says, The Lord said, His servants, the prophets, Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. So, this king is an evil king and he is Josiah's great grandfather. And he just, he's turning the, the whole place and they're all sinning because they're following this king's example. Just like our kids follow our example, we set that example for them. And so, he, his, he ends up dying, and his son Amon comes, into, um, comes to become king, and he rules for two years, and he is assassinated by his own people, and it says that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord as well. So at that time, Josiah becomes king. And when Josiah becomes king, in Second Chronicles 34, 1 through 7. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek God, the God of his father David. In in his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. He cut the pieces of the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols these he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who sacrificed to them he burned the bones of the priests on the altars and so he purged Judah and Jerusalem so king Josiah he is he comes from a pretty terrible family. I mean, yeah, his great-grandfather did good, but I don't think he was around to really see much of that. So, the example that he had set growing up and mind you, he was 8 years old when he became king, his father was more evil than his great-grandfather or he continued the evil of his great-grandfather. And the the whole all of, all of Judah was living in sin, and they're worshiping these idols, and, and this eight-year-old becomes king. And so we kind of see, like, what kind of hope does a kid have? Now he's going to rule a kingdom. Now he's got to set this example. And the only example that he's ever really had set was from his, his family. And, but it says that he was the only king that did not turn aside for the, from the right to the left. He was already working. We see when he became king, it says that he, when he was 16 years old, he began to see the the, the God of his father, David. And so we just read that his father was Amon. And so we can only assume that David was the line of David and, it, and the kings of the... Of the Southern Kingdom had descended from the line of David, so he he had that in his family history somewhere, and we don't exactly know who could have spoken to his life. There were few, there were prophets during that time, so it could have been from them, or it could have been from um, someone in his family that maybe was a believer. We've all had those experiences where we have people who have spoken to our lives unexpectedly. But he was following the Lord; he was already starting to seek the Lord, and. Um, and he was cleaning the land. He was purging the land. And that's what we read. So he becomes king. He starts to seek the Lord. And then he starts purging the land of all of the idols and getting rid of all of the false gods and everything like that. But not once does it say what, what it was that made him want to do that. He just... It just says that that he started to do that. So for an eight-year-old who comes from a a family history of of terrible people or people living in sin, for him to just want to be different and and know how to be different, there had to have been some kind of work from God in him already. And it says that, you know, we know that Judah... they haven't been following God. And we find out a little later that in the story that God is about to destroy the southern kingdom because of their rebellion and because of their disobedience. And in, his, in Josiah's 18th year of reign, he decided that he's going to repair the temple. And during this time, he, he sends, um, he sends the, the orders to repair the temple. And uh, they start to repair the temple and he, the, he gives the money to the high priest and they, they start doing the work and they're cleaning up the temple and the high priest, King, uh, the high priest Hilkiah finds the book of the law. And so, if we hear that, he finds the book of the law that was obviously hidden or lost. And, and Josiah never even had heard this book before. And he finds the book of the law, and he reads it to the secretary, Shaphan. And then he reads it to the king. So, he finds this book. He he. Hilkiah obviously knew how important this was this book of the law and he he felt the need to share it with the king he felt the need to share it with others and so he does so and in in kings in 2nd kings 22 In 2 Kings 22, verses 11 through 13, it says, When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikim, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micah, Shaphan the secretary, and As- Ashai, the king's attendant Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people of, and And for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with what is written there concerning us. So King Josiah he sends this. He hears the he hears that that they've not been following the law, the law of Moses. And we know this is the law of Moses. And we'll find out a little later exactly what the what it was that kind of, you know, sparked him to say, "Oh my goodness, we're not living," and the and the Lord's anger burns against us. But King Josiah sends uh, these, these people to go inquire of a prophetess to, to kind of understand this more. And as he does so, she, it's a prophetess named Huldah, and she says these in, eight, in verses 18 through 20, tell the king of Judah... ...who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people they would become a curse and be laid waste and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence i also have heard you declares the lord therefore i will gather you to your ancestors and will be and you will be buried in peace your eyes will not see all the disaster i am going to bring on this place so they took the answer back to the king so we know that the southern kingdom is going to be destroyed because of the sins um, of Manasseh and the sins from before. But because Josiah has now repented and he's tore his clothes and he, the Lord has heard him. And so he, he says that he's not going to see this disaster come upon them. So Josiah, Josiah starts... What what Josiah does next is he starts, he takes that book of the law and he starts going out and sharing it with everyone in the land. So everyone was sinning before and now King Josiah is setting this example of this is how we're going to live. And he starts sharing the, the book of the law and he reads it to all the priests and it says that he reads it to everyone and everyone from the highest to the lowest, he reads it to them. And they, and they turn to the Lord and they start to worship the Lord. And, and during that time, he, it says that he celebrated the Passover, which hadn't been celebrated in, in so long. And it also says that it has never been celebrated like that before. And it was just this wonderful time of celebration and, and giving thanks to the Lord. And he had—so I, I want to point out— he had already started to seek the Lord before he heard the book of the law. And so he was already already doing things that were good. But then when he heard the words, his heart was transformed. So how is it that the book of of laws would be so transforming to the king? What would be so inspiring that he would read the book of the law that they found was in Deuteronomy, and it's a rather long book, but we're given a clue in Second Kings twenty-three, twenty-five, and it says, "'Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength, in accordance with all the laws of Moses.'" He turned to the Lord with all his heart, all his soul and all his strength. This, this section is, is the Shema, and it was really important to the Jewish, uh, the Jews back then. and, and they, they lived by that. And they said, and in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. And so it's giving these instructions of, of how to live. And, and we often have those instructions as Christians on, on how we want to live and, and how we're going to live our lives and how we're going to look different. And so this is what this, this was. And it goes on to highlight specific things that they must do and not forget about what God has done for their ancestors and how to, the, that they must fear the Lord and serve only God. And, and they haven't been doing that. And, and the other thing that it says in there and it says to share it with your children to share it because we know that the only way to, to, to really bring about that transformation is if we share it so someone can receive it because the only way that we can be transformed is through Christ and we have to receive him to, to, in order for that transformation to happen this is the heart of the covenant that God made to Moses and the promise that God would keep and bless the people as long as they obeyed. The words of Josiah, when he hears these, it brings about great transformation. And he didn't realize what he needed. He didn't realize he was already doing good things. He didn't realize that he needed more, that the, that the words had changed his heart I think that in the same way that many of us can experience, have experienced that. We do good things. We come to church on Sundays. We, we serve and, and all of that. But there's more that God wants us to do. We feel it. We feel, we, we know it, but we don't really know it. And the only way to really know it is to get into the word. Is to, is to let the word sink in. We, we live our lives and we're just kind of chugging along and we're just doing our own thing. And we want, we, we kind of fail to see that we don't have the ability to be transformed on our own. We try and we try and we try and, and we're not able to do it on our own. And so I want to give you a little bit of analogy today and I, I thought about this and and a lot of us know how silver originally starts. Silver is is nice and shiny and, and pretty. And um, a lot of times we start out like this. I left it in the tarnish a little too long. It's a little yellow. But we start out nice and shiny and pretty. And then over time, we become dingy. And the way silver becomes dingy is it's the outside the the sulfur and the gases in the air, it starts to discolor and it starts to tarnish and the layers start to add on and it's dirty and it needs to be cleaned. And so we start to think of things like, what could we do to clean ourselves, you know, um, like me, I became a mother and I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to start doing good things. I'm going to be a good mom. I'm going to do good things. I'm going to start going to church on Sundays. I'm, you know, but I wasn't really allowing God to work into my life. And so I started trying to clean myself up. And when I would start to try to clean myself up, I mean, I I really scrubbed. And I mean, it, it looks a little bit shiny, but... I wasn't doing much and I was working really hard. And what we don't realize is that there's, there's a special chemical, there's a special agent that we need in order to truly be cleansed, in order to truly be transformed into our original state to that shiny silver. And just like silver, sometimes it does take time, but we really need that special agent in order to transform us. And so... As we allow, as we get into the Word of God, as we become Christians and we start to do things, and then we start to really know what God wants us to do, and we get into His Word and we start to get into a relationship with Christ, we we start to discover that He has more for us, that He has the ability to transform us, that He has the ability to remove the tarnish, and that it's not really as difficult as it is when we're trying to do it on our own. And so we start to allow God to work in our lives and we let it soak and we let it soak in. And as we do that, we start to see that God starts to move and it doesn't take that long. I mean, there's still a little bit of tarnish on it, but the longer I let it soak, the more it comes off. The more I put it in, the more I allow, the more it comes off. The, the better it gets, and it starts to become just like it was created to be. See, God gave the Israelites th- these words in the book of the law long before King Josiah. And in the same way, we have the Bible, and even more so now, I mean, back then, it seemed like the book was lost. He didn't even have that opportunity. And now we have an overabundance of opportunity to get in the Bible. I mean, we have it on our phones. We can get it in so many different versions. We can get it in versions that talk to us in our, our own, you know, language, like the way we want to hear it. Uh, we can search through it and, and we have that opportunity, but yet we still don't. We're still trying to clean off ourselves. We're still trying to do it our own way. And and even though we're doing good things in our life, we're still tarnished. We still have all this stuff on us. We're still allowing the world to just pile on us. And the only way to really take it off is to understand what God has for us. We can only go so far until we realize that. God desires for us to be transformed. He desires for us to be renewed. He desires for us to find hope. He desires for us to be loved by him. And the truth is that God is the one that does the work and the transformation when we surrender. When we give up trying to do it on our own and we have surrendered to God and we we allow him and we uh, soak in what he has to offer... In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to view the, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is the true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, therefore, I urge you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That we would, that we would give our bodies as a sacrifice. So, you know there's a I've heard a lot of people say you know God the Jesus came and and so the old laws they don't apply anymore right? Because Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law of Moses. So we don't we don't need to, to worry about those things because Jesus Christ, he gives salvation freely. But we forget that it is in our obedience and in our repentance and full surrender that Christ is able to move in and do the work that needs to be done. And also it creates a joy in our heart that makes us want to share that. The reason we don't have that desire already is because we're not letting it soak in. We're not, we're not being obedient to his call to get into the word, to follow the laws. I mean, we have laws of, of the road, right? We know that when we're driving down the road, that we need to do the speed limit. And we need to um, drive on a certain side of the road because that's the law. And we know that because in order to have a driver's license, in order to drive a car, we have to pass a test. So we have to know the laws. Well, there's a lot of laws that I think that we all don't know about. Um, in, in 2014, I, it was monsoon season, and I was driving um, down the I-10 and it was pouring down rain. And I mean, it was pouring down rain. And there was, the, the freeway was covered and it's unlike it had ever been before. And the, and the traffic slowed down and I'm in the furthest lane from the off-ramp and there is traffic all over and water is just piling up. And and I decided that I'm gonna keep going through it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going through it. I knew if I didn't let off the gas, that I would be okay. Even though the water was really high and I probably shouldn't have, I didn't let off the gas, I would be okay. Well, as soon as a semi went by me and threw water over me, my car died. I was almost out of this puddle, it had dipped down. The car behind me was already sinking. And I thought in that moment, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? You know, my battery's about to die, I have electric windows. I can't open my door, the water's already halfway up my door. So I throw it in neutral. I climb out my. I roll down my window enough to climb out. I climb out my window. I start pushing my car. I can. I can't. I'm, I don't think I was going anywhere really, but then another man that had gone through in a truck came and he helped me push my car out. And so after all that had happened, I realized when the patrol got there that I got really lucky because all the other cars they had to pay for their own rescue because guess what Arizona has a stupid motorist law and if you choose to go into a flood, then you are, reliable, you are responsible to pay for the price to be, to be rescued, and not to mention all the other things. And in that moment, I mean, I was in my 20s, and I had been driving for a really long time, and I've lived in Arizona my whole life. I had no idea that that was a law. I thought they just saved you for free. <laughs> But apparently they have laws for a reason. And God gave this word to Moses and he shared this with, and King, uh, King Josiah shared it with everyone because the, it's what we're required to do as Christians. We have to walk in obedience as we start to walk. God starts to transform our lives. And I think that's what happened in, in Josiah's life, is he was already seeking the Lord before he had the word. And he didn't have access to it like we do. So it, it, maybe it wasn't even a choice. But he was already seeking God. And then when he had the words, he was, his heart was changed. And he went even further. And then he began to share it. And then everything else began to change around him. So what does it look like in our lives now? What does it look like to truly be transformed? Do we just get into the word and, and we can, it can kind of be a duty, right? And um, we're not really allowing it to sink in or to soak in what God wants to say to us. Why is it that we don't have that desire to share in the reading of our scripture with other people. I mean, we live in a culture nowadays where it's it's difficult to share Christ with others. A couple years ago, I was... I was not really willing to to share. I had this really strong faith and I was excited and I can share with you guys, because you guys also believe, but when it came to my friends and others who had questions, I was terrified and so I just avoided it. But over time, God has worked in me and I have this confidence in who he's created me to be. We long for more. We don't even know what we need but our hearts long for a deeper and for for a deeper meaning we're searching for a wholeness we desire to find meaning to find value purpose in our identity and we search and search and search on our own and we never can figure it out there's so many people out there that don't really know who they are because why because our identity is found in Jesus Christ This is why it's so valuable to share what you've been given. What would it look like if our church did that? What would it look like if on Wednesday night Bible studies, we read and then we go out and we share what we read? What would it look like when you experience that, that, in your heart where God has done something for you, where God has blessed you, to go out and share that. We're so afraid to share those things, but, but what we don't realize is that a lot of times when we share those things, the most unexpected person needed that. The other day, I sent someone a song because I needed the song, and they got back to me and they said, did you know that I needed it because my son is in the hospital, and this is exactly what I need. And I was, I was reluctant to send it to them because I don't usually send it to them. I, I actually haven't talked to her in a really long time, and so, but I just did, and it was because God was prompting me to, and I didn't even know it, but I shared it. And it didn't just bring about a joy, but it brought about a transformation in my own heart of, you know, that I have confidence to do that when I didn't used to have that kind of confidence. So I challenge you all today, if God is calling you, if God's calling you to something deeper, accept it. If there's things in your life that you know that, that you need to ask for forgiveness for, ask. Because he gives freely. We don't do the work. We, we, don't, we don't do the transformation. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God. Who makes it grow? God is the only one that can do that work in our lives. But he uses us to share it with others. He, he, he's the one who does that transformation. And others out there need it. We see a world that is hurting So I ask you today if you if you know that Christ is calling you or if you haven't received Christ into your heart that you would ask him to come into your heart that you would ask him to transform you that you would accept him as your lord and savior that you would realize that there's other ways that aren't as difficult as we've been doing Let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you God for being such a good God. Lord, you are always at work in our life. You are always working even when we don't see it, even when we don't hear it, even when we don't know that you're working. You are working. You are God of grace. You are a God of love. We know that you have so much more And we ask that you would come into our hearts, that we would just, that we would get to know you more, that we would accept you, that we would not only accept you, but that as we get to know you, that we would share you with others and that allow that transformation to spread. God, you are such a good God and we love you and we thank you, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just pour out all over this place, that whoever needs to hear this message today, that they would take that step forward just like King Josiah did in boldness and not turn aside to the right or to the left, but they would walk straight forward towards you to where you're calling them to be, God. We love you. We thank you for giving your son to die for us. We thank you for what you have done and what you're going to do. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to continue the conversation and connect with you. Comment, like, subscribe, follow us on the socials at Church or our website, rnaz.church.